The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanakas, Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. Nothing like talking average draft position data in early November, am I right? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, November 5th, and this is officially your break from the rest of the world. Frank Stamfel here, no Scott White, and I hope you are ready to use a second round pick on Bo Bichette and to draft Chris Paddock as your SP4 in 2021. Today on the show, we're going to take a closer look at some of this early ADP and you know, talk about some of these polarizing players. Predict whether these names will be drafted higher, lower, or about the same range come March. I've also got a few news items and rumors. Seems like the hot stove is a long ways away. I mean, we're talking, it's going to be, I think we're going to be, it's a very slow-moving offseason. We're talking about a broken stove here, ice cold. You got to fix it by yourself. And fun fact for anyone out there, like, I am the worst handyman, so this would actually take me a, a, a few years to fix if I was actually fixing a, a stove that was broken myself. I said we just a little bit ago, which means I am not flying solo for an hour today. If you followed me before I joined Fantasy Baseball today, then you already know our special guest, and if you haven't, well, you are in for a treat. Please welcome to the show, Matt Modica. Give him a follow on Twitter, at CTM Baseball, professional, professional? Ask you about that, Matt. High stakes player at the NFBC and just one of the best baseball minds that I have ever interacted with. So, Matt, welcome to your debut on Fantasy Baseball Today. Uh, it's great to be here. Always a pleasure to talk with you. We go uh, we go back some time now, so happy to uh, spend an hour. Matt, is it right if I call you a professional high stakes? I, I don't. It just it felt a little weird. Is there is there such thing as a professional high stakes player? I mean, I guess if I look at what I, you know, how much I put in and what I get out, it, it is kind of a professional thing. It is one of the avenues of income that I put for myself each year. So uh, I, I guess that's kind of right. And I don't want people to be scared off, right? The first thing they hear, oh, high stakes. Oh, well, come on. You know, how is that going to relate? Look, Matt's just like the rest of us. He's playing fantasy baseball. He is figuring out how to evaluate these players, trying to do the same things that we are doing. He's trying to, how much of 2020 actually matters and translating that over into the 2021 season. He's just doing it with a lot more on the line than most of us are doing it with. So high stakes, okay, we're talking about leagues with entry fees, hundreds of dollars, some over a thousand dollars. If you listen to other podcasts, you hear people talk about the main event on the NFBC and draft champions and all these different types of formats. So Matt, if you can just explain in layman's terms, the high stakes world and it is what it is that you do and how you play. Now's your opportunity. Uh, I mean, well, basically right now is the time to play draft champions where it's 50 rounds, no trades, uh, no in-season pickups. It's a great way to learn the player pool, uh, get a feel of where the players go. They have leagues starting at 150 or 400, and there'll always be like a couple that go for 1,000. There's not many, but there will be a couple throughout the months that will have that price point as well. There's an overall prize in this for, I believe it's 30,000 once again. I usually do it to actually get myself comfortable with everything, you know, 
just uh, for me, it's just the repetitiveness of the drafting, knowing where all the players are going to be, seeing the players move up and down the boards. So right now, you know, I tweeted out the other day. It's it's baseball season. I I got my standing order of this. I purchased uh, this. So you know, I'm I'm getting ready. All right, so let's get into some of these news and notes. Let's pick the brain of Matt Modica. Enough of the background. All right, we've set it up. we set up the show for you. You know a little bit about the high-stakes world. Again, the NFBC, I consider the best you know, high-stakes arena to play in. So if anyone wants to get involved, please visit their website. Uh, some news and notes. Not really much going on today. Trevor Bauer declined the one-year $18.9 million qualifying offer. That was expected. Mm-hmm. Probably, not probably. He is the best starting pitcher on the market right now and. It will be interesting to see where he lands. He's talked about pitching, wanting to pitch every fourth day. That would certainly elevate his value for fantasy baseball purposes. But again, I think a slow-moving offseason. The Mets, we talked about this just before we started, Matt. They had a busy day. <laughs> they signed Malik Smith and Jose Peraza to minor league deals. Now, if you guys haven't realized by now, Matt is from... Are you from the New York, New Jersey area? I mean, I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Staten Island, Brooklyn. Okay. So, you know, I know that you've had when I came back. You've lived all around. You've moved around. But yeah. originally a Brooklyn, Staten Island guy. You could tell man, by the way he talks. <laughs> so I'm talking with my hands. Got a little bit of an accent. Yeah, me too. Hey, <laughs> it's a New York thing. What are you going to do? Uh, but Matt, you're a big Mets fan. Uh, do yes. you expect a busy offseason? Obviously, Steve Cohen just uh, purchased the team and all the talks are that, you know, we could see a pretty busy offseason, some rumors about them being interested in J.C. Real Muto, and even today I saw a possible trade rumor of them being interested in you, Darvish. I know the Cubs apparently are trying to cut payroll, so that would be very interesting. You're, are you expecting a busy offseason? I kind of am for them. I think, you know, he's we have somebody that actually has money now that owns the team, so uh, we won't be working on this you know, small market budget anymore. And I think he's going to want to make a splash. Uh, my hope is he surrounds himself with really smart baseball people. I think we'll be seeing changes in the front office and at the managerial level as well. Uh, but like you said, I, I think it's like you said earlier, it's like a broken stove league. And I myself am a terrible maintenance man. I usually either pay somebody or <laughs> have a friend come over. <laughs> But uh, I, I think the Mets are in an opportunity now with this market where, you know, they can maybe get some guys, I'm not saying on the cheap, but for a better deal. And, you know, I, I think many players want to come to New York. Some aren't made for New York. We've seen that over the years, at least I have, uh, in the 30-plus years of watching baseball. Uh, some do melt under the spotlight and some shine. But um, – I'm very excited for it. I think he's going to, you know, get the right people in and the opportunity is there to strike. A lot of teams you, you see there, you know, $10 million one-year deals there, you know, uh, who is Wong, Hand. So there's going to be guys, you know, other teams that are scaling back like St. Louis, the Mets can obviously increase. Jeff Passan of ESPN reports that players want to keep the universal DH for 2021, but owners want them to agree to keep the expanded playoffs for 2021 in exchange. So seems like a fair trade-off for both, I guess. I'm hoping the DH is around. One of the names that we'll talk about a little bit later on is, is Dom Smith, and he probably needs the DH in order to reach his ceiling. So I'm hoping that sticks around. Yeah, like, look, I'm uh, I'm an old school guy. I'm, I'm a little older maybe than the uh, audience, but I'm a National League guy. I've been a National League guy since, kid, since I was a kid and grew up on, you know, 80s baseball. So I'm not a fan of the DH. I mean, I've never watched a game where I said I wish they, I wish they had the DH, but that's just how I grew up. That's how I like baseball. Uh, I know it's coming to an end, unfortunately, I thought for this year it was great, you know, that the expanded playoffs worked for the format that was in place. Uh, I kind of like baseball not having a bunch of teams make the playoffs. Uh, the wild card I thought was good. The one game elimination, you gave a team that didn't, you gave the two teams that didn't win the division an opportunity and stuff like that. But I would prefer that we go back to, you know, 
I don't know. Maybe you want to call me old fashioned in that aspect. And that's just me, but you know, everybody has different tastes. So, yeah, we shall see. And last but not least, uh, we have an early best shape of his life. Apparently, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has lost 32 pounds since the beginning of the baseball season, which includes 12 pounds since the season has ended. And there was a, a picture that was circulating on Twitter where he does look like he's in better shape. And one of these years, I think it's going to happen, Matt, where we get the breakout for Vlad. And I, I assume people are going to continue to chase him until it actually happens. Just give me a ballpark prediction in a 12-team league. Where would you feel comfortable taking Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for 2021? Uh, you know what? Right now, I haven't really thought about that, but I would probably say he's probably going to be in that. For me right now, sixth round. Are we talking 12-team? Yeah, 12-team. I guess it's that sixth round-ish in the 12. You Makes know, sense to me. I guess that that's where I'd go there. I, I But I think it's funny, as you said, one of these years, he's a baby. I think – the expectations that were upon this guy were tremendous. It doesn't mean that he's a bust or anything like that. I think it's great that he lost weight because he's a young guy and, you know, young, famous. His father's a legend, you know, be in shape. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've already seen the guy move from third base to first base, which is not surprising. I think we all kind of expected that to happen at some point. But, hey, I, you don't want to see the guy just full-time DH by the time he's 22, yeah, but- 23 years old. I mean, if he hits like close to 300, let's, let's say 290 to 300 range this year, hits 20-something homers, and then start stealing some bases. I mean, you know, maybe get you seven stolen bases at a position that's not all that great, first base. You know, that's, that's, that's something you'd be very happy with, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, we usually like to ask our guests some uh, general questions about how they're handling 2020 production and, and projecting that for the 2021 season. And normally we ask people the same questions. I thought I've changed, I have I would change it up a little bit here. I know mm-hmm. that you, know, you are a big pitching guy. Obviously, I mean, you have to be yeah. focused on both. If you want to have balanced rosters, you have to pay equal attention to hitters. But when I think Matt Modica, I, I, I think pitching. I don't know. I don't know if that's unfair or not, but... Um, <laughs> How are you valuing some of these central pitchers? AL, NL Central, some of these guys who benefited from having a great schedule in 2020. We saw breakout seasons. Shane Bieber was utterly ridiculous. Kenta Maeda was, I believe, a top five pitcher in Roto. And <coughs> we saw Zach Plesak have a breakout season. Even Kyle Hendricks in the, in the NL Central. He was really, really good this past season. So, Matt, how are you handling these breakouts? Are you downplaying them because of the schedule that they face this season? Well, I mean, like, let's start with Kenta Maeda. And I think he's one of the – he did benefit from, from that schedule. If you look at the teams he faced and all that. But when you do the deep dive – and what I like to do with pitching and why I prefer looking at the pitchers, and I usually do them first, I just think it's a lot more fun. Uh, I start off with addition by subtraction. What are they using in their – repertoire you see look if you have a uh top end fastball then that's great you're you're gonna use that but not every pitcher has that in most cases they don't so a guy like kenta maeda and you when you do the deep dive you see how he's uh used his pitches you know the fastball has consistently gone down and it's those breaking ball pitchers that are now fully taking over. Look at Shane Bieber from when he came in like three years ago, that first season. You know, the fastball was getting crushed. And then last year, he decreased it. And then he even further decreased it this year. He added a cutter and stuff. So that's what, I, what you – look, if you have the time and you want to have some fun, if you're on CBS and, you know, you're going to follow Frankie and you're going to see what he has to say about it or Scott or whoever – and that's great, but it's also good to look for yourself and see why was he good? What did he do? Like, what changed? Is it real? And I do think in the short season, there were some things that were real. Uh, I think Kenta Maeda is in a really good situation. Is he going to be a pitcher that's going to have a two ERA next year? Absolutely not. Is he somebody that could be good? My biggest worry was, like, the innings pitch. I know the Dodgers played a lot of – played a lot of tricks because of his service time and stuff with, with the contract, but he really hasn't had that heavy workload except for maybe one year. He had like 150 innings, but I like, I actually do like him. I think police acts a guy that was real last year 
And he's somebody that I want to just make that confirmation. Say if I'm doing a 15 team league, is he a fourth round pick? Is he somebody that, you know, is he really my SP two? You know, I haven't reached that point. I haven't done the, the, the full dive, but I'm looking at what has changed. Do they have control, especially with young pitchers? The young pitcher has control. And he gets, you know, he gets a couple of years under his belt. That's a great foundation to have. And you know what's crazy about this, Matt? And I didn't even plan just these names. It just seems to be a common theme among some of these pitchers in the Central. So maybe we should take that more into consideration than just originally, you know, our first, uh, uh, you know, our first look at things is to say, okay, well, they had a great schedule, which is a fact. But look at all of Bieber, Plesak, Maeda, and Kyle Hendricks. All those names that I just looked up. Each of them decreased their fastball usage by at least 8%. This past season and neither of like they don't none of them have fantastic fastballs so they start throwing their breaking pitches more for Maeda he starts using the changeup and the slider more and Bieber has all these different breaking pitches now same thing with Zach Plesak he has a slider and changeup both were fantastic pitches for him Kyle Hendricks starts using this curveball more this past season so it's not just okay you know they they faced great schedules which again is a fact but look a little bit deeper, and what we're, we'll continue to talk about it. It's something we've mentioned already on our early starting pitcher previews, and it's something that we will reiterate throughout the offseason. These pitchers have made changes, so let's take those things into account. Speaking of pitchers, Matt, pocket aces. This was a very popular strategy and a fruitful strategy in the shortened season. I know Scott White just won the 15-team Mixed Tout Wars League, starting with Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber. I know Toby, if you follow him on Twitter, at BatFlipCrazy, we'll actually have mm-hmm. Toby on at some point in the offseason as well. He's already agreed to come on, so we appreciate it. Both of them had very successful fantasy baseball seasons, starting with pocket aces, two pitchers in the first two rounds. Do you think, based on the pitching landscape and where it is, that this is a strategy that we should look more so into using moving forward? On the flip side, I just kind of just want to play set this up both ways you there is a luck factor because if you went pocket aces this year and you started with Verlander and Scherzer Mm -hmm. you didn't have a good season if you started with Bueller and and Flaherty for whatever reason it wasn't their fault it was just a weird season COVID with Flaherty and, and blisters with Bueller then you didn't have there is going to be a luck factor it's not just oh draft two pitchers and it's going to work out so where do you stand on that strategy in early November Oh, no, it's something uh, I think it's been around in the high stakes for a long time. I think it was probably called uh, dueling aces at one point. Now, pocket aces has become the uh, term. And, you know, uh, Toby's a great player. So when he's on, I recommend your audience listen to him. He's had two really back-to-back fantastic seasons in the NFBC. (coughs) But like you said, it depends on who you get and, just in the last two seasons, if you were picking around that turn, say in a 12 or a 15 teamer, uh, two years ago, it was Garrett Cole. That was going in the end of the first round or early second round of a 12 teamer. And last year it was Shane Bieber. So if you got those guys, that was fantastic. On the flip side, if you got Walker Bueller, that was no bueno, really. You know, he wasn't pitching. If he pitched, he was going three, four innings, the blisters and all that. Uh, so I think if you're going to do it, that's fine. But then you need to know, you need to like map it out, have your game plan. I'm looking to load up on pitches the first two rounds. Where am I getting my offense? Where am I going to get the home runs? Especially where am I going to get the stolen bases? Now, if you're in a trade league, it's a lot easier too. you know, you can make moves, you can deal, but there's not a lot of guys that, steal a ton of bases. So it's basically having a game plan first and foremost and setting up the board. It's like playing a game of chess. It's not just making the move for that move. It's making the move for the, you know, the next or the two moves ahead. Yeah. And I think that that is very well said. And so much of it is about roster construction. Yes, you can say there are many different ways to win. There's not just one. Okay. I'm going to take two pitchers to start and you know, that's it. That's the rest of my draft. I've already won my league. You know, I, Things have to break, right, obviously, and you have to figure, all right, well, if I take two pitchers, I can't wait too long to get a third one. When is that going to happen? Maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Uh, I have to figure out which hitters 
I really want to attack in rounds three, four, and five. You know, who are the hitters that stand out to me that can profit? Because there are guys every year. You look at rounds three, four, and five, and you realize, all right, well, this guy can return first-round value. Why is he going at this point? You know, a few guys already kind of stand out to me, like Anthony Rendon, I think, is a guy that can return near first-round value. He's early ADPs going in, like, borderline third, fourth round range. Same thing with Nolan Arenado, if he's healthy. These are just some early names, but you need to map those things out in advance. Yes, and I'll say one other thing real quick uh, before we move on from this, is comfortability. And, you know, some people aren't comfortable starting off with two pitchers, and that's fine. Like, some some people want to have that five-tool guy on offense that's going to be their foundation, and then maybe draft the pitcher. Maybe that's how they want to start out. And if that's what you're comfortable with or how you feel good about doing it, then go your way. You know, there's no, just because somebody else does it and they're successful doesn't mean you're going to be successful in that way, especially if you get out of your comfort zone. And and, yeah, I think it's a good point too, is like every year is different too, Matt. Like this upcoming season, you could identify 10 pitchers that are going between rounds five and 10 that you really, really like. And you think, okay, if I get three or four of those guys, then my pitching staff could be all right. So every year is different. It's not just, okay, well, drafting two pitchers in the first two rounds has worked in the past. That means it will always work. Uh, Just put a bow on this conversation, but I liked where it went here. Some roster construction discussion, some uh, game theory discussion as well when it comes to fantasy baseball. Let's jump right in. Names that stood out to me in some of this early ADP courtesy of you, Matt, that you provided. So I appreciate that. This is some ADP from NFBC early drafts. So the first one that stood out to me, Matt, Bo Bichette. And his ADP right now is 21.5. And, you know, in the 29 games that he played in 2020, he was great. There's no doubting it. 301 batting average, five home runs, 18 runs scored, 23 RBI, four steals. Looks like a five-category contributor. StatCast really likes this guy as well. Matt, how are you feeling about Bo Bichette early on? Because it, it seems like a, a very big price tag for someone who has performed, but in just a small sample thus far. Well, I mean, in this two-month season, I guess we call it, I mean, I was taking him in the early third, uh, you know, paying that mid-20s, maybe a little more in, in, in a couple of auctions I did. Uh, I, I think he's got the, you know, I think he's got the hit tool. You know, he might not be the most, you know, he's not going to walk a lot and somebody like that. But I think he knows how to hit. Uh, he has the speed. That's where I'm most concerned is him actually, you know, getting that 20 plus stolen bases. I mean, he's got the speed to do it. I'm not really worried about that. I think he's somebody that's going to hit that 280 batting average, at least. You know, he's not somebody that's going to hurt you there. And he's got the pop, the kid. He's going to be at top of the lineup in that area. So he's going to get the at-bats. I mean, at-bats are a critical thing. Innings pitched in at-bats when you're building, you know, your team, they matter. You can't just go with all upside kind of guys. And I believe there's been like two drafts uh, that started in the last week. I'm not, I'm not in them, but I did see – a couple of the first rounds. And I think Bo went like in the, in a 15 team league, say maybe 13th. Oh my so God. I, I don't think that's crazy because people were pretty high in him last year in a 15 team league. He was going late twenties, early thirties, you know, at one point. So, you know, you, you're going to pay for it if you want. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to get him at 13 right now. I haven't, uh, mapped out my board yet. I'm just uh, collecting the data right now, but he's going to be a very popular name and you're going to pay a high uh, tax on him. Bobachet has played 75 career games thus far, batting 307 with 16 home runs and eight steals. If you double that, just for the sake of this conversation, that's 150 games, 32 home runs and 16 steals. So there is a lot to be excited about. about. How about this? Just because I knew we were going to talk about him. I looked at three different projections and, you know, between like uh, Masters Bowl Steamer and say Bill James Handbook. They have, it comes out to 22.3 homers, 92 runs, 82 RBI, 24.6 stolen bases and a 279 batting average. 
So that seems like a good player. That doesn't seem like a second round pick. I, obviously, well, I mean, this is also you know if he's going to hit two eighty, hit you know say he hits twenty five home runs, say he scores a hundred runs, and if he's going to steal twenty five stolen bases, you know, you you're getting that production pretty much across the board. And I said this during our early shortstop preview. I am getting a bit of a Fernando Tatis vibe from Bo Bichette. Someone that you have to pay up very highly for, but we know what the skill is, the prospect pedigree, and we're dealing with a small sample to this point. So I, I kind of, I really like that comp you did there. It's like something like, like you said, you, we, you don't have the, you, and a lot of people in that first round, and a lot of times they're right. They want to have seen the guy done it before. But like you saw with Tatis, he, he proved that he can do it again. So Yeah, that and then some. All right, so the early ADP for Bo Bichette is 21.5, which puts him in the late second round of a 12-team league. Matt, do you think this will be higher, lower, or about the same come March? Uh, I think he, he will go higher come March. Damn. He is, you know, they, there's a lot of love for Bo. I'm, I'm one of those people that really like this kid. And I think there's people that like him probably even more than me. So Yeah, I, I tend to lean towards his ADP will be higher than this as well come March. Walker Bueller, we mentioned the name already, Matt, and he's an interesting one to try and figure out. I will not doubt the talent. We've been talking about Walker Bueller for years. We saw it in the postseason. The guy's throwing 99 miles per hour. He's striking everybody out. In five postseason starts, he had 39 strikeouts in just 25 innings pitched. However, he got a late start to summer camp. Never really gets the innings built up. He has all these blister issues. It's it's a messy situation, Matt, for someone who has a 24.5 ADP early on. I'm not doubting the talent, but I am a little bit worried about the blisters and the fact that the Dodgers, for whatever reason, just always kind of limit Walker Bueller. So how are you feeling about him early on? I actually have him ranked outside my top 10 starting pitchers, and I don't know if that's crazy. Uh, I'll say this. I was kind of disappointed he he killed it in the playoffs. I'm a big Walker Bueller guy. Uh, pretty much, if you're pitched for the Dodgers and you're a high-end talent, uh, I, I think you deserve a bit of a premium, uh, a little extra tax on you. Uh, it was a two-month season. It just never worked out for him during the regular part of that season with the blisters and stuff. But he showed you what he could do in the playoffs I don't think he's gone outside the second round uh, so far and say the handful of drafts that have happened. And the Dodgers are going to be a really good team again next year. He's their ace. He's not like a 22-year-old kid that they got to continue to baby. It's the time for him to step up, man up, and he's got to take the reins and run with it now this year. And you're not going to get any discount because of what happened in the playoffs. Matt, if you're projecting the innings for Walker Bueller in, in 2021, his past three seasons, regular season and postseason included, 173 innings, 195, and then 61 in this season. Where would you set the, if we're just setting an over-under for Walker Bueller's innings in 2021, where would you set it? I mean, I would be comfortable saying uh, he's going to go at least 180 or more. He's, he's, he's built to be that guy. It's, you know, is he going to get injured? If the blisters come back and all that kind of stuff, you got to start dealing with that. But hopefully that was just something that occurred this year. Uh, won't be a problem. But this guy is built to be a horse, an ace, whatever you want to say. And, you know, Clayton Kershaw, one of the greatest pitchers I've ever watched. He's now older. He's a six-inning guy. Uh, they need somebody. You can't have everybody in a 162-game season pitching a handful of innings. You're just going to kill your, you know, you're going to kill your bullpen and stuff. And the the time is now for Walker Bueller. The ADP is 24.5. Matt, come March, higher, lower, or about the same? Hmm. I'm just thinking about, like, the players that are in front of him. I think for him it's going to probably stay about the same, you know, I, I, I think right now this is a fair price. I think he would have been maybe somewhat of a discount, but then when he turned it on in the in the playoffs, that's why I say about sin. I I, th- I think that's the right call, but I, I think people might point to the playoffs, Matt, and, and it might actually push him up the board. A oh yeah, bit. I won't I won't be surprised. I yeah. won't be surprised by that at all. Uh, another pitcher who is 
not really the antithesis of Walker Bueller, but he's a little bit older. It's Max Scherzer, who in 2020 had a 3.74 ERA, a 1.38 WHIP, 92 strikeouts in 67 and a third. We did see some warning signs here, Matt. Batting average and Babbitt both on the rise each of the past two seasons, giving up some harder contact. His swinging strike rate is down a little bit from where it's been. It's still very good compared to the rest of the league, but it is down a little bit. Any concern over Max Scherzer? Yeah, look, I'm I'm an older guy. I'm 47, so you look good I, for 47. I man. know how you know. I know how it is when you start getting old. I'm no I'm no, no pro athlete, but <laughs> things don't get better and, and it don't get easier. And I, I got to give Max Scherzer some credit here. I remember when he first came up with the Diamondbacks and stuff, and there was a lot of hype and a lot of potential. And then he went to Detroit. And he really flourished into, you know, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher now and all that. But, I mean, I hate betting against a guy like Max, but he's probably not going to be on my team at at the price. Yeah, so that price is 36.5 right now. It's at the 3-4 turn. And I said this during our starting pitcher preview part one. You go back and listen to it on demand. Turning 37 years old next year has dealt with some back, some neck stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just... Father that's time the, catches everybody, Matt. Yeah, if I could just say one thing, that's the thing. I, like I said, I really don't want to bet against Max. I, I actually love watching him pitch. He's dominated my Mets in the past and all that. But you know, you said thirty-seven, the back issues, and it's it's not something that I want to mess with. All right, so at thirty-six point five, the ADP higher, lower, or about the same come March? Hmm. I'll say maybe a little higher, believe it or not. I think there's the people that are going to say, you know what, the two-month season, there's, Max is a guy that's given the 200-plus innings and all that. Maybe he's got one. So I'm looking at it, maybe it was a good thing for him that he only had the 67 innings, and he can build on that. You know, it kind of saved him a little, put it that way. Yeah, I actually agree. This is one where I think that he is going to climb a little bit for the reasons you mentioned. People want those workhorses in the 2021 season, uh, pitchers that have done it before, and obviously Max Scherzer is one of them. Don't think he's going to be on any of my teams either, but there is a lot of offseason to study and read and figure things out when it comes to Max Scherzer. We're going to take a quick break. Just want to remind everyone, Scott White will be back next week, and we'll have a mailbag segment towards the end of the podcast on Tuesday. So continue to send in questions via Apple Podcast Review. Remember, if you've left a review before, you can leave another one or email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Our 2021 rankings page is also up and running. If you want to take a look, head on over to cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball and click on rankings on the left side. Yes, these will change hundreds of times before March. We'll take a quick break. We'll hit some outfielders when we return here. Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Trent Christian was awesome in the 2020 season, and he's another player where we have to figure out, uh, should we pay the price based on just this short season of production? He hit 251, has great plate discipline, OBP over 350, doesn't strike out all that much, 10 homers, 42 runs, 26 RBI, and 10 steals. And I don't think the steals are going away. I've said that about all of the Padres. I think that is a stamp in Jace Tingler's managerial style. And I think that it will remain with the Padres in 2021. Matt Grisham at 50.5. You're talking about end of the fourth, early fifth round. What are you thinking here? Uh, I think the only thing really is the batting average. I think he's going to deliver you uh, you know, the home runs, he's going to steal, say that 15 plus stolen bases, which is uh, really nice. But uh, what is your expectation on a batting average? I, I think one of the things you have to be honest when making or when looking at projections, at least I try to do, is 
what is the realistic outcome? Like, is is he going to beat that projection? You think he'll make that projection? Is it is it too high of a projection? So I think he's going to be a very popular guy here. Uh, and another good team. He's surrounded by good players. Uh, that lineup should turn over a lot. So I I think he's a guy. If you're going to ask me where I think he's going, I think he's going to go maybe a little higher because people like him. Yeah. So the two fifty one batting average, he hits a lot of line drives, nearly a 25% line drive rate. So maybe he builds on this a little bit. I, I know the XBA was, I think it was 263. So can he get up to 260? I don't I don't think that's impossible for a player that mm-hmm. is, is continuing to Im- improve. So 260, I'm looking at the steamer projections early on, 24 homers, 15 steals, should score a lot of runs at the top of that Padres lineup, can hit lefties as well. Man, like Trent Grisham is, and he is a player that will be useful regardless of format. Because even if you're playing mm-hmm. a points league, his play discipline is fantastic. You know, he walks a lot, and that helps in points leagues. You know, he doesn't strike out all that much. He doesn't expand the strike zone. <laughs> I'm talking myself into Trent Grisham here. It's very early, but I do like what I see early on. Uh, you mentioned you expect the ADP to be higher than this 50.5 price tag, and. I tend to agree. I, I think the fact that he's going to steal bases, uh, I mean, he's going to steal, like, say, say the 15-plus over, say, 162-game season. And, you know, you got to look at lineups, as you mentioned correctly, the managerial uh, philosophy, teams that are going to run. Look at Manny Machado, who's coming off a, I thought last year was one of the, the better values that you can have whatever it was, say, you know, that fourth, fifth round. And, you know, you got Manny, you got uh, Tatis, Hosmer had a bounce back last year. So I think, and like you said, he can hit lefties. The question here I would pose to people, now this is like when you're building the team. Do you want Trent Grisham here? Or do you want like Luke Voigt? Or are you guys, say George Springer's a free agent. Where does he land? You know, you, you, that's what you got to kind of look at when when you're when you're making these moves. Who are the guys you, that you could have besides Trent Grissom here in in that area? Yeah, and based on on this early price tag, he's going just after Springer, who you mentioned, who is a known commodity but has some injury issues. And same thing with Aaron Judge. Uh, Grissom's actually going slightly ahead of Aaron Judge, so Judge. You know, all the upside in the world. I, I think if he stays healthy, he can hit 280 and 40 plus home runs. But I mean, the health is a real, real issue for Aaron Judge at this point. So you have to ask yourself those questions. Another player you have to ask yourself questions about when it comes to health, Matt. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this guy? Yordan Alvarez, just 23 years old, just had arthroscopic surgery on both of his knees. This guy, he is the ultimate. The ultimate risk reward wild card, I believe, at this early price tag, which is 71. ADP 71. He's going right around that 6 7 turn. We saw the upside last year, uh, in 2019, rather. He hit 50 home runs and batted 325 between the minors and the majors. Matt, you want to talk about someone who can return second round value, maybe even first round value, who's going in the sixth or seventh? I think it's Alvarez. Yeah, look, you're, you're making the case. And if you saw the video of him running on the treadmill, did you see that one? Yep. It's just 23. It's scary. Know, it is both scary. Both knees had opposite. That's, that's frightening. I mean, look, you need your knees. And, you know, especially now when I was talking about for like a draft champions for me, I need those at bats because there's no in-season fullers. I know I got 50 rounds. But he's a guy that I'm going to have to wait until spring training, actually. You know, I, I want to see him on the field. I want to see him hitting the ball, moving around. Because, you know, that's that's asking a lot what, from what he's coming back with. So, so that. Yeah, the upside is massive. The floor is also, like, it's it's zero. It's, you know, he like, you draft him, he gets hurt in the first week, he's out for the season again. Like, that is... That is legitimately the floor for Yordan Alvarez. So at 71, I think the way that this is going to move is just dependent on 
off-season information, so it's really hard for us to say now. But if you had to guess, Matt, higher, lower, or about the same come March? I want to say about the same, but I'll say maybe a little higher because you'll see like a video of him running in some field or something and then crushing some, uh, you know, BP balls. And there's always going to be that one guy that's going to say, like, you correct me, I can get this guy in the late sixth, early seventh, and he's a second round, third round draft pick. So I, the, for that, I'll say he'll go a little higher. Yeah, let's see what happens with Alvarez. But uh, I, I do agree. I think that he is someone that can uh, could be drafted higher come March. Mentioned the name as well earlier on, but Dom Smith, who in his last 139 games, I, I choose that number because that's the beginning of the 2019 season. It's 2019 and 2020 combined. He has hit 299 with 21 home runs and a 937 OPS. Matt, you had uh, a very close eye, I, I'm assuming, on Dom Smith. You watch a lot of Mets games, obviously. I think the talent is there. We have to see what happens with the DH, but I like. I think he's a budding star in the league. Yeah, I think there's going to be a universal DH. You know, it's, I'm opposed to it, but I, I think it's inevitable now. Once. You know, once you do it, and I think the expanded playoffs are going to happen as well. So I think both sides are going to agree to help each other out here, and that'll get worked out. And for the Mets, as currently constructed, it works out better. I mean, Alonzo as a DH, you know, you got Smith over there. And just looking at uh, Smith as a player from coming up with the Mets and stuff, he was a guy that was just completely out of shape when he first came up, and it was kind of disappointing. Like, we see how, like, Vlad now lost 32 pounds over the, let's say, the last six months, got himself in shape. You've seen Dom Smith. I was like, when I first saw him come up, I'm like, this guy's body is not good for a pro athlete. And that's changed. I think last year, he was like one of the – if he didn't leave the league, he was up there in doubles. I know that. He was just, you know – Slapping that ball around. Uh, I'm not sure where I have him yet. I think this is going to be one of the more difficult ones. Of course, I don't know what's going to happen. What, I think the playing time is, is he on the Mets? Is he traded? Because I think this this roster is going to be evolving over the course of this long winter. Yeah, and I brought up the possibility. I don't want to speculate too much, but if they go out and make a trade for a big-name starting pitcher like you, Darvish, Dom Smith might be involved in that trade. And just looking at their current roster resource page, you can find these over on Fangraphs, what every team's projected lineup mm-hmm. looks like right now. Uh, they do have Dom Smith in left field, and they are using these lineups without the DH in the National League. And there's a bit of a roster crunch here. They have Jeff McNeil on the bench as of now. They have Ahmed Rosario on the bench. So it's one of these situations where he he almost needs to hit if he's on the Mets come next year because they have a lot of options behind him. I, I think that he will. I have faith in the player and, and the profile and what I've seen to this point. Uh, but 105 is the price tag at this point, Matt, which is the ninth round, shallow first base position. What are you thinking here, higher, lower, or about the same come March? Maybe a little. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say higher because I, I, I think there needs to be – I think he needs to have secured playing time, put it that way. And I, I think that's that's correct outlook for it. I'm not saying he's not a good player and what he can and can't do. But right now, if you you know, you want a guy that's gonna give you that 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 you know is gonna have the everyday role, put it that way. Yeah, I think it's gonna be about the same, this ninth round range. Um, but it's it's still very early and we've we have about three or four months to see uh, what happens between now and then. If anybody listening to this followed Matt before today at CTM Baseball on Twitter, you'll know that he used to have the sheriff picture of Chris Paddock as mm-hmm. his Twitter avatar, which brings me to his early ADP of 113.5. This is Chris Paddock, so you can get him in the 10th round. Matt, you talk a lot about addition by subtraction, and you look at pitch mixes, and you know, you're know you deep diving these pitchers, so I... Trust you. I, I trust you wholeheartedly. When it comes to Paddock, 
what do we do? Is he just a two-pitch guy? I mean, last year he was basically a one-pitch guy. His fastball got smacked around. He has a phenomenal changeup. You know, he throws 93-94. He's supposed to have all the command. He tried to mix in a curveball and a cutter last year. It didn't really work. Those pitches were not good. What happened to the Sheriff, Matt? Yeah, no. uh, It's, you know, that second time around. I was thinking the curveball was really going to be something from what you were hearing. I mean, also we do have to factor in that that stoppage, <laughs> you know, the season was going to go underway and whether he was never able to develop it, it sounded like, you know, we, you were hearing was the curveball was developed. Obviously it wasn't obviously the fastball command was not there. That has to come back. Uh, I mean, right now, would you take Zach Wheeler or Chris Paddock going into next year? They're going right next to each other. Both, both seem Wheeler. like they both seem like good values. Oh, yeah, no, but I, I'm going to take Zach Wheeler. I know I'm going to get the innings. He's got the contract. Uh, you know, the, the strikeouts weren't there for Wheeler last year. I think he can strike out more batters. But if I had to choose between those two, just to make that argument, this is a guy that had the struggles, put it together, and he's been one of the guys that goes seven innings consistently. You don't get that a lot. So a guy like Wheeler, if I'm basing it off of Paddock, and I'm not saying I'm giving up on Paddock. I, I think he's a fierce competitor. I think he's going to do everything possible to uh, this offseason to get himself to that point. But right now, just to show you, like, when you're in, like, say, a draft room, if you were there, the guy that he's going, like, right next to, I would take the other guy. But he's somebody that I'm going to have. I'm going to do a nice deep dive on, obviously. And I'm going to have on, on, on say, a watch list that I want to see – uh, every time he's out there in, in the spring and he's throwing. And I want to follow him on the offseason to see what, what improvements have been made. So I was trying to find some quotes and, and read about, you know, what did people who were close to the team, what did they see when it came to Paddock throughout the regular season? A.J. Preller had this to say about Paddock, uh, who is the Padres GM in a press conference following the season. Quote, he obviously has a great changeup and developing breaking pitches, but the fastball command is the biggest thing, and we've talked about getting the fastball back to the dominant pitch that it's been for him in the past and try to figure out why it wasn't quite that this year, obviously referring to the 2020 season. And just looking at what they did with Denelson Lamette, like if you d- deep dive Denelson Lamette's fastball from 2019 to 2020, apparently they sent people from the organization to the Dominican Republic in the offseason to work with Lamette on his spin rate and develop that fastball and, and really work on the command of that fastball. And that's why we saw the walks down for Denelson Lamette this past season. And I believe that if they have the people within the organization to bring that out of Denelson Lamette, then we could get Chris Paddock back on track. To me, it really comes down to, okay, it would help if he had a third pitch, but if he could just get the fastball back to where it was, opponents hit 204 against fastballs in 2019 for Chris Paddock. They hit 308 against the fastball in 2020. That is a 100-point jump. That is massive. That is... You don't normally see that. That is a huge jump. So this is just a name that early on, I, I'm with you. I like Zach Wheeler as well. If, I, if I'm putting these two, I believe I have Zach Wheeler ranked ahead of him already. I, I pull up my rankings here. But Chris Paddock is someone that I have identified where I'm kind of throwing the numbers out a little bit from this shortened season, and, and I'm just trusting the pedigree and the stuff <laughs> for him to get back on track in 2021. And, and honestly, Matt, I think there's a few players that we're just going to have to do that for this upcoming season. Like, I think we just have to throw 2020 out for some players. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. There are some players that you can kind of throw out, but there are some players that did have real growth and you have to capture that and you have to say, you know, and, and expand on that going into 2021. But like you said, and as, as, as the GM pointed out, look, everything works well for the fastball. You don't have to throw the fastball 57% of the time. But if you can spot it and use it, then, you know, and you have a great changeup and you could develop a good enough curveball, that'll make you a hell of a pitcher. That'll just expand everything for you and why it's so important. And if they did it for Lamette, hopefully they can do it for Paddock. And I, I, don't, I do not doubt the guy's uh, his motivation. Uh, he's one of the guys I, 
you know, just absolutely loved watching him compete on the mound. Looking at our early ranks, Scott and I both have Zach Wheeler at SP29, and I have Paddock at 31, and he has Paddock at 34. So, as of now... No, like I said, my point is, like, say now, if one of your listeners or somebody, even yourself, you went into a draft champions where you have no in-season pickups and innings pitched right now is going to be key for, for that rotation that you're going to build. That's where you got to look at it. Like who, who are the guys going around him and how are you going to set that up? So the ADP 113.5 in a 12 team league, this is the 10th round, Matt. I think it's a lot will depend on what he does in spring training, but I think undoubtedly it will be higher. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think it's. I, I think it'll stay around here for now because I think people, as you said, are going to look at the negatives. I mean, people have, you know, you get burned and some people won't go back. And I think that's the worst way to look at it. Absolutely. It's just somebody burns you and now they become, you know, they get, they're like a depressed stock that you loved them last year. What happened? What were the reasons why? And if, if you think they had the talent and it's a it's a, a move here or there, a tweak, side of the rubber, whatever, then that's, you know, that's something where you can really return a nice profit on. So I'm going to say for now, it's, it's going to stay about the same because there are too many people that were burned and they're going to be hesitant. Matt, I appreciate your work when it comes to uh, pitchers. And I know in the past we've worked together and, and you've pointed out and successfully called breakout seasons for James Paxton and Aaron Nola. I don't want you to give away the secret sauce or anything, but do you have one or two guys that you're looking at earlier on that you are identifying as, as potentially being those breakout guys for 2021? Uh, I mean, the one guy, I think I put a tweet out. If you got like 30 starts, would we, would return a windfall of riches this year. I think it's Jordan Montgomery of the Yankees. I, I think, you know, I think he's got the pitch mix, uh, the addition by subtraction. I think coming off of the injury, being able to pitch uh, this year helps him tremendously. Now it's a full off season. The Yankees are a really good team. He's going later. He's going later on. And this is a guy that has the opportunity to hit. He would be one of the guys. I mean, I think everybody likes uh, Zach Eflin, I think is uh, going to be a popular name. I think if Freddie Peralta, you've seen the curveball and stuff, ever got that chance. You saw him in the multiple innings. I don't know if he ever gets into that rotation and can stick. He's somebody. And I'll, I'll go back to somebody who spurned my Mets, Marcus Stroman, who the Mets did get offer the qualifying, uh, gave him the qualifying offer. I think you'd be foolish to turn that down this year. I think you take that, you bank basically twenty million, and you try and uh, piggyback that to like a multi-year deal next year. Same for Kevin Gosman, who the Giants were trying to work out a long-term uh, work out a contract extension. If you look at Gosman, you know what he was able to do down those like last eight starts. It's really impressive. If he's back in San Francisco, if he gets traded to a good team, I, I think there's some good stuff there as well. So that was just a couple of guys. There you go. Fantastic. Matt Modica. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at CTM Baseball Professional High Stakes Fantasy Baseball Player over at the NFBC. Matt, thanks so much, buddy. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. For Matty Mo, I am Frank Sample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Bye-bye.